to help us with this today. I'd just like to pray for you and the band and a lot of band members who are, have been doing it for a long time. Thank you very much for being here again. So I'll just pray. Father, we just praise you and thank you for this evening. I thank you for the gift of worship that and these musicians have got. And Father, as we actually come and worship you, I pray that you will inhabit the praises of your people. Just thank you for this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just turn our hearts to Jesus. Let's make it our goal to break some boundaries tonight in our love of Jesus and the expression of our worship to Jesus. Let's go deep.
What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name
Fill us with your glory. Fill us with your glory. Fill us with your presence, God. alone I somehow stood even angels fear to tread invited by redeeming before the throne
Thank you. <clears throat> well, it's my privilege to welcome Laurie. Actually, as I was standing there and singing, I thought there's quite a lot of connections. Dreams came out of uh, a meeting when we were at Releases of Life, which was a conference Anna and Anto at. And there was a ladies' meeting that happened during the day. And Anna and I spoke to each other and said, wouldn't it be great if we could do something like this in Leamington? We came back, got prayed about it, and streams happened. Um, when Laurie left uh, Toronto, they gave, the, they gave her a party in 2000. Andy and I, my husband and I, were actually there. We had some of the cake that was made for Laurie over to the UK. So Laurie was sent over to the UK. We brought things back from Toronto to the UK. So it's absolutely fantastic that God is doing wonderful things. So Laurie, would you like to come up? We're thrilled to have Laurie. This is the first time we've had her. So we're really, really excited. Ministers with Harvest, Harvest Time Ministries. Harvest Ministries in Hall Green. So not far away at all. Just a stone's throw, yeah. It's just fantastic that you're here with us and you've got so much to share. You've shared with Anne and I and I'm really excited. And I'm excited about what the Holy Spirit's going to work through you. So, Heavenly Father, we just praise you and thank you for streams. We thank you for the way that women are blessed through this events that we have. And Father, I just praise you and thank you for Laurie, that she has come, that you are going to work in her life and she is going to work through our lives because you're Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that you will bless her in ways as she gives out to us. Just come in power, Lord. Just minister to us, minister to her. And Lord, we pray that you will have your way in each of our hearts this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. I have too many things to balance here. Here, I'll give you my water. If I cough and hack, you can, uh, you can let me know. It's okay. Apologies for the change of date. I hope you all know that it was my fault. It was my fault entirely. And Anne and team were very gracious to scramble and try to, uh, try to rearrange and do something different. Um, I want to bring to you what I think um, are a few things that are on the Lord's heart today. But just as we were worshiping, I really felt like I just wanted to add one portion of scripture. And I know it's for at least of us in the room. By the way, welcome to the men. Because I think they're your daughter. They're helping with sound and that's it? Are there any other men who because they wanted to come? No? So you officially have a job. Is that it? Okay. Um, if you have your Bibles, I would like you just to turn to, I think, my favorite parable... And um, I know it's for at least one or two of you. It's helpful to underpin the things that God has for us to do, first and foremost, with who we are in him. And so I'm not just going to try to launch a few of you tonight into more creative ideas that God has for you. That is part of what I want to do and share. But I first and foremost want to share, I think, my favorite parable where Jesus addresses the woman caught in the very act of adultery. So if you have your Bible... It's not to say some of you are in adultery. That's not what I'm saying. Don't let this be a heavy thought. Um, it could be, but that's not the point of this. The point is to watch the response of the Lord to this stressful and difficult situation, right? <clears throat> so John chapter 8, if you have your Bible, verse 1. And this is just the, the bit for free at the beginning, okay? This is not the real me to get to, but I felt like the Holy Spirit really wanted to breathe this either on some of you for the first time or fresh if you've forgotten it. See, in my experience, I've been a Christian since I was three years old. 
my journey in terms of the love of the Father and the grace and mercy of God came as an adult. That every sin I had ever committed in life was as a Christian, where I should have known better. And I was raised in a great home with lots of great values and lots of um, biblically, I was you know, protected in all of those ways. And the realization that every sin I've ever committed as a Christian one day hit me like a brick. I thought, okay, I have got to learn about the grace of God for me as a Christian, as a believer. Not just for those who you would hear stories of, you know, Hell's Angels, motorcycle gangs, and how the, the terrible life that they had lived, and then they meet Jesus, and everything changes. Well, I didn't have one of those testimonies. I had a testimony of always knowing Jesus, and still somehow along the way making stupid choices. The, just the grace and the kindness of the Lord is very precious to me in terms of being a Christian. And so I know that there are some in the room tonight who have been Christians for many years and can't receive the mercy and kindness of the Lord. And one of the things that happens when we can't is we are stopped dead in our tracks. And basically we hide because we believe the devil's lie, which sounds something like this. If anyone ever knew what you did back then, exposure drives us into caves, quiet places, absolutely for the Lord. I'm just going to kind of ride out my time and wait out my days till Jesus comes back. But here, here's a message from the Lord for you. you. You are not done. If you were dead, you'd be done. So you're not done. And the things that he has dreamed for active and alive. And there's a couple of things that stop us from that can be shame. And so I want us just to read this and sort of get the heart of the Father. So can we do this? Can you just hold out your hand for a second? Say, Lord, I've read this before. I want an impartation of how the Father really feels about me as I read this. So that I'm not living but I'm living under the way he thinks about me. Okay? All right. John chapter 8, verse 1. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act front of the crowd. Now, I often wonder, where was the men? Brought to shame in the public square. And these religious to require stoning according to the Old Testament law, right? We know this. Now, this is something we need to keep in mind as we read the miracles of Jesus and the stories that he shows. He thought it was a cool idea. He didn't just do anything because he thought this would make a unique presentation. He didn't decide, I need to get the latest, flashiest display to try to get a message across. The Bible clearly says that he did exactly what the Father told him to do. The Father told him to do it. So what's interesting about that is in our own individual journeys of learning who the Father is and what he thinks of me and what he wants me and him to do together and all of that, we need to take some inspiration really from the way that he demonstrated his character through Jesus. And so when we see the response of Jesus in this, it's not, it's because the father wanted to take this situation and like, and I'm going to ask my own son to do what the father would do in a situation like this. And I know that this is a message for some of you. It's not actually the message, I don't think. Um, <laughs> not what I told you anyway, not what I prepared. Because we get stuck. We get stuck in our own stuff and we think, uh, we think it's over. We think we're disqualified. We, oh, I'm divorced now or, you know, whatever, whatever stuff. 
whatever stuff, we tell the person beside you, it's not the truth. You're not. Okay. So Jesus here, there, at the Father's bidding, exactly what the Father would do in a situation. So just picture for a second, and um, can everybody just close their eyes for a second? I just want to just kind of gauge the room here for a second. How many people hear of being caught, or the fear of your sin sort of being... Right, so as you read this, you can open your eyes now. As you read this, just imagine that that great fear of yours is playing out here in this scenario. No, I know people in um, Pentecostal churches who have 30 years and no one knows that they're remarried to be divorced in that denomination in their church. And so they just, the Lord is looking for in you and me is authentic representation. But if we have not first experienced that for ourselves, it's pretty hard to show that. It's hard to actually live that if I have no idea what it, what it feels like to experience as a Christian, everything I've ever done wrong, I should have known better for a number of years till God really started to talk to me about his grace and his kindness for me. You know that story where Peter is walking on the water with Jesus? Momentarily, he did walk on the water. And the Bible says, as Peter began to sink, Jesus reached down and grabbed Peter. In performance, that is really relieving news. It's not up to me to keep reaching up, although that's part of our, our pleasure. Not my responsibility to hang on to him as much as it's his responsibility. It makes all the difference in terms of risking, in terms of stepping out. Into in the center of town, the woman's caught in the act of adultery, and they put her in verse 4. This woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. Now imagine, as we just talked about, you're caught right in the middle of it. And you're exposed in the center of town. The worst and greatest fear has come upon you. Everybody's going to know. What is God going to respond like? Well, this is just such a wonderful example of what the Father's really going to respond like. You know why? Because he knows how much bigger things that you and I have done that we're ashamed of. He knows. He's got holes in the sand. Like this is no big deal because he knows how great his love and forgiveness is. I love this. He's taking an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has known. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. And when the accusers heard by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Remember, he's saying and doing exactly him to do. He's representing God the Father, the one that we've been afraid of for years. Where are your accusers, he says to her. Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said something absolutely profound in terms of theology, in terms of the character of God, that we as believers, if we don't understand this, it always makes me afraid. If we don't understand the destiny that he has planned for us, we will never actually do the dream in a little bit of reserve and a little bit of hiding. And this is what he says. Neither do I condemn you. And then in the next order, go and sin no more. See, what we have sort of wrongly believed is go and sin no more, and then I won't condemn you. Or is that only me that kind of got that mixed up? If I can only just sort things out, if I can get it all together and get it all in the right order and tuck everything in and confess everything I need to and change what I need to change, then I will be acceptable. 
to come to the Lord and have real relationship. And maybe then from that place, he and I can actually do some kingdom damage. But the problem is that I, and I can't tuck everything in any more than you can. But if I come close to the one who is perfect himself, and I am loved unconditionally from that place, I might dare to do some things, and I might dare to risk some things, and I might just believe his word that, you know, whatever things are on your heart, even greater things than these are you going to do. He said to his disciples as he left, greater things than I have done, you will do. Just think about some of your favorite miracles. Like, wouldn't we love to raise a dead person? How many people have lost someone close to them? Wouldn't that be an awesome time of an unjust death? say now would be a great time for a resurrection lord but there's greater things than that that'd be awesome wouldn't it if you're a wine drinker i guess greater things than these jesus said see he has he has plans for you and for me to actually take back what the enemy has stolen in life and make some on the people around us and we're gonna we're gonna just slip over and uh talk about the real part of the message that i was going to get to but i um, that has kind of motivated me along the way. I'm trying to watch the time, so somebody get, get too long-winded here, okay? Everybody okay? I just want us all to stand for a second. Because what I, what I believe in doing is, and taking out the trash when necessary, or the rubbish, as you say here in Britain. And so I would like everyone to close your eyes, and I'm not going to embarrass any of you, and I'm not going to call any of you up. But I do know that that was a word for some of you in this room tonight. And you know that you have been carrying if someone ever finds out what you did back then. And it has crippled you. It's crippled you from sort of stepping out in anything, really. Because if anybody ever knew, then that would be horrendous. Do you know the Bible says when we confess our sin to him, as far as the east is from the west, he remembers it no more. I want to ask this question, and nobody looking around, please, so that we can make it safe for everyone. How many people in this room have something still that's kind of nagging them that you're ashamed of, that still comes back at me? Do not be ashamed, but please don't keep it tonight. This is such a moment of hang on to it. Okay. Now, of those ones with your hands up, how many of you have actually said to the Lord, I'm so sorry for that choice? Not raised your hand. I just want to lead you in a really simple prayer. Say this after me. Can we all say this, just to not embarrass those few? Jesus, tonight... You know the particular things I'm really ashamed of. I am so sorry for those stupid choices that have hurt myself and others. And I ask you to forgive me clean tonight. Amen. Now, you who have prayed that before and you're still being reminded of it. Again, nobody looking around, please tells me is the devil is still hounding you so you're still being reminded of it this is for you i want you to put your hand up nice and high so i can see you because you from this it's it's enough it's enough self-torment and the bible says when we confess our sins he is faith and just that means perfect to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness that's what he does do this just to help them out today put your hand on your heart today I choose to forgive me for that mistake I can't make it all right but I am letting my because if Jesus can forgive me I can forgive me
Awesome. You can take your seats. Thank you. Now, if you're one of those people that the devil keeps, it's not God reminding you. It's the devil or it's you. It's not biblical. It goes into the sea of forgetfulness. He doesn't remember. Every confessed sin, he makes new. Right? And you know that scripture that says, confess your sins one to another that you might be healed? It's not that you might be forgiven, it's that you might be healed. Because sometimes there's that healing process of forgiving yourself and letting it go. But don't do the devil's work for him. Make him work for his own work. Don't do it for him and say, well, I'll just keep beating myself up for a lifetime. I don't want that. Do you? I don't, I don't like the things the devil does. The devil comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. He doesn't bring anything positive to any life. I had um, someone in the office on Friday. We were just doing paperwork in the office preparing for this week. And um, someone in our office took a phone call. And I could tell that it was sort of an awkward conversation. And I said, would you like me to take the call? And so out to be a girl who was 37 years old. And she said, I'm just really, really confused and in a lot of trouble. And I said, okay, well, tell me a little bit about your story. What, what's going on? And she said, well, my mom is a trained medium. And I know that I have giftings that I also see Jesus. I see lots of good things. I see lots of negative things. And I am so confused to me because they all just think I'm nuts. And I said, okay, well, I would love to pray with you. So we have three choices. You can either come here or I can pray on the phone or you can come to an outreach that we do next Friday and you can come to that. And she said, yes. And I said, okay, yes, which? Which one do you want of those? And she said, well, all three. Anyway, um, she said, I'll take a drink. So I said, fine. And I went and met her in the, the bar area of our church. And she sat down. This girl had the blackest eyes I think I've seen with one, a beanie kind of in shame and darkness and really, really struggling. And I had the options, which is the reality, by the way. There is a kingdom of darkness, and there is a darkness is filled with all things confusing. Sickness and disease lives in there. Punishment and torture lives there. And it has a king. And that kingdom of darkness, the king in that kingdom, is known as the devil or Satan himself. But the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light, is filled and all the good things and healing and miracles and all of that kind of thing. Which kingdom would you like to belong to? She said, definitely the kingdom of light. And I said, well, the thing about it is, like I mentioned, there's a king that rules over each of those kingdoms. And in this kingdom, his name is Jesus. And the Bible clearly teaches us that the only way we can walk in forgiveness and our way through the confusion and the mist and all of that is to, is to surrender to Jesus and say, would you begin to sort out this stuff in my life? Where we invite Jesus in, she said, absolutely. Let her write to the Lord in the planned meeting. How about that? It turns out that her caseworker, who was talking to her, had somehow heard of our place, looked us up online, Googled it, and said, I think I'll go there. How great is that? See, the Holy Spirit is working all over our nation in India. He's not just moving in Indonesia. He's not just moving in China, although he is. But he's moving in our nation. I can't tell you the hundreds for this thing that we call Spirit Cafe, where we decided we're going to open the door hungry, but don't know where to look for it. They would be people fortune tellers and all of that kind of stuff. And I can tell you, it is not familiar to involved in the occult or the new age movement whatsoever. I was privileged and kept from that as a child. It's not part of my lineage at all. But I can tell you, I have now, since we started this activity five years ago, 25% of them, every time they come in our building, give their lives to Jesus. 
because they're looking. They just don't know what they're looking for, and they don't know who he is. I've never met one looking for the devil. Isn't that strange? They actually believe they're looking for God. No one ever taught me that in Sunday school. I didn't learn that growing up, but I have found it to be true. It influenced me, and then we're going to read the parable of feeding the 5,000. So I was in Walsall about six years ago doing a women's breakfast. I was invited to speak, and I, I can't remember what I talked on. Um, but at the end, I gave an altar call for anyone who would like to invite Jesus into their life. Hands and prayed, you know, a, a Jesus into my heart type of prayer. Time. At the end of that meeting, one of the women came up to have 30 years old, and she said, um, could I ask you a question? And she said, well, I had a baby die a few years ago. I said, oh, I went to see someone about that. Now, just tell the person beside you, this is in Wal Timbuktu. I do travel, but this is, in our, this is in our nation, this story, told to me firsthand. Um, I'm having this conversation with the lady. And she said, um, so I went to see somebody, and they told me this, who died would come back to me in the second baby. Is that to me? Is that true? And I'm, I'm kind of like, what? Get stuff like that. And I said, honey, I'm sorry, that's not true. To invite Jesus into your life today, you will see that baby again because that's where he is. He's with the Lord right now. And she said, yeah, I didn't really think it was true because I did go ahead with another little boy. And when this baby was, and I was so depressed and so discouraged that I took drugs so bad that social services took that baby off me. Now I'd lost both of them. Believe thinking, am I really hearing this? Am I really actually in touch with what people are going through in normal life? See, sometimes as Christians, we, we get stuck in these walls. We get stuck in our, our comfortable seats and our comfortable club, and we forget what people are really going through. Anyway, she went on to say to me, so I had a third baby. And I'm just thinking, how can this be? How can this story be real? I had a third baby, and again, it was another little boy. And again, it was not the one who had died. And again, I was so discouraged and depressed that I took to drugs and alcohol. And once again, social services took that baby off of me too. And it was one of those pivotal moments in life where something on the inside just died for me. Something of that fear to step out and do what God wants. Something of, I'll leave it for other people to do. Or just some of that reservation. Just something on the inside. Something maybe died in terms of fear. But something came alive in terms of spirit. Where I began in my own heart to say, I have got to do something about this. Where is the church? Where am I? Because I have been to hundreds of prophetic teachings. And hundreds of conferences inspiring me on. I've taught lots of it. But where is the church in terms of relevance? Do you know in our nation less than 2% of the population attends church? Pretty sad, eh? 50% of the people that come into the outreach that we do will eventually say to us, so are you guys Christians? And we say, yes, we are. We're Christians operating in spiritual gifts. Oh, okay. They say, really? Because I didn't realize the church had anything spiritual to offer. See, the, the world no longer equates what we do here in church as spiritual. And my question is, what do we do? You know, like, I've, I'm a pastor still. I've been a pastor for the last 18 and a half years since I left Toronto. And I'm kind of saying to myself, well, what do we do then? Like, we don't make the world's best coffee, no offense. 
We don't have the best club in terms of treating each other the best all the time. Again, no offense. Um, what do we do? What, what is it that we have to offer? Why am I still here? See, if the object was for me to meet Jesus, I would have been whisked away right then when I was three years old. What is the point of these other additional years? It's because he still wants them. His heart is still looking for them. There's still a great commission. There is a great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then go love them. Go out into the fields and find the lost ones. I have a great story um, that made this really home for me. We went to, um, what do they call it? Family camp. This was in Toronto a number of years ago. And my youngest was seven. So my middle one would have been 11. My eldest was 13. And what would happen is the children would go off for the day to the beach, which was about a 20-minute school bus drive away. And they would play on the beach for the day while we adults had different workshops and teachings and so on. We would come together about 5 or 6 o'clock at night for our evening meal together. And on this one occasion, I turned to Jessica, my eldest, and I said, where's Jackie, who's the 7-year-old? And she said, I don't know. I thought she was with you. And, you know, panic just starts to find its way. And um, I went over to the youth group leader, who was the one driving the bus and responsible for the kids. And I said, where's Jackie? And he went completely white and said, I don't know. I thought she was with you. And here's what happened. We jumped in our car and drove 100 miles an hour. And he jumped in his car and drove 100 miles an hour. We went to opposite ends of the beach to look for Jackie, which, by the way, we found her safe and sound. Here's the point of the story. If you had said to me, don't panic, you have two other kids. I would have hit you if you were in my way. I really would have. Because at that moment in time, there is a desperation to find the one that's lost. And Luke 15 would be a good chapter. We're not going to go there tonight, but a good chapter for you to read three times where God the Father, through the parables of Jesus, is talking about the lost. And he calls them lost because he thinks they're his. And when it's yours, it makes all the difference. When it's somebody else's that you don't really care about, that's a different story, isn't it? We've all had prayer requests that were very dear to our family and all will settle on us or the, the urgency, I must have a miracle breakthrough. I have a little niece at the moment. She's a twin. She's one years old and she's dying of leukemia. And they've done everything they can and there's nothing else to do. It's breaking our hearts to watch. But we're going to believe God for a miracle right up till then. Either the miracle happens or she gets a new body and goes to heaven. But either way, we're not going to give the devil an inch here. Because I've lost stuff important to me, and I'm sure you have too. So John chapter 6 is the story of feeding the 5,000. And I'm going to try to go through this fairly quickly because I'll try to watch the time for us tonight. Um, this is the only miracle that Jesus did that is recorded in all four Gospels except for the resurrection. So whenever something is repeated quite a bit, it's worth our attention. Because this is divinely inspired, this book. It's not just randomly put together haphazardly. The Holy Spirit breathed on this, and it was divinely inspired. And so for this miracle to be in there four times just made me sit up to attention one day and say, I wonder why this is so important. So I just want to share a little bit of what the Lord has shared with me on this. So John chapter 6, verse 1. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went. Why? 
because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. So if you want a crowd and your goal is to have that kind of a ministry, start healing the sick. It's easy to heal unbelievers, by the way. It's always a sign for them. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. So it was a bit of a board meeting about to happen. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. And turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Verse 6, he was testing Philip for he already knew what he was going to do. So the question is, and I grew up asking why. My dad taught me that. So why would he ask a question he already knew the answer to? Why do we ask our children questions we already know the answer to? Why do we ask someone we're mentoring a question that we already know the answer to? I believe it's because we're trying to engage them and introduce them to the situation and say, what are some of your thoughts? So imagine you've got a, a board meeting with those who lead the well, and you've got a particular problem. You're going to get those people around the table, and the hope will be that somebody's got some ideas. Somebody's got something that will help with this problem. And Jesus did that very thing like a good team leader. Tell the person beside you, team leader. The point of this is that he is wanting to team with you and we see. So remember how my heart got really challenged by the, the woman who'd lost her children? He was stirring something in my heart to say, and what do you want to do about it? Because I've been a Christian for 53 years. Some of you in this room have been Christians for decades. According to Billy Graham's association, 95% of all Christians have never led someone to Jesus. And yet it's part of the Great Commission. It's part of, you know, you can't be a dad with one kid out there and not be wanting that one kid. I never used to understand leave 99 and go for one till I had that happen with Jackie. Now I understand it. I used to think it was kind of mean and unfair, but what about all us faithful ones? Yes, but at that moment, I have got to get the one who's lost. And Jesus decides to ask Philip a question like he's asking you tonight for some of the problems and some of the things that irritate you in your spirit. I'm not talking about the things that just make you annoyed, like road rage or you know, any of those kinds of things. I'm not talking about people cutting you off in traffic. I'm talking about what are some of the injustices that you see around you? What are some of the needs that you see around you? It might be single moms. It might be teenage pregnancy. It might be the homosexual agenda. And I'm not talking politics. I'm talking about, you know, if, if all of these um, homosexuals, boy, I'm probably going to kill a few cows here, eh? meet Jesus and start to say, you know, I, I think um, I need to turn my life around. We, the church, had better be ready. Do you know, I had a pedophile come to our church mm, probably about 12 years ago, and he came, with, he came by himself and visited a couple times, and then he asked for a private meeting with me, and he said, I need to tell you clearly what my history is. I went to prison for pedophilia. And I want to find a church that will allow my family and I to come and worship. But I need you to know up front um, about my life. Because wherever we go, we end up getting picketed. And somehow the pastors will all talk about it from the front and blah, blah, blah. But we really actually want a church. Where I'm in accountability. I have an accountability partner. I've paid for my crime. I know that God has forgiven me. But the church won't. 
And I said, okay, well, you can come to this church. There will be a couple of guidelines in terms of the children's work happens in that wing of our building, and you're not to go in that wing of the building under any circumstances. That honestly will protect you as much as it protects anyone else. So there will never be any accusation. But you see, what are we going to do with the harvest that we're praying in if we're, not to, if we're not prepared to love them as they are and walk them into wholeness, which obviously I know you guys do. We've just got to be prepared to that. You know, what do the lepers of today look like? I had a good friend years ago who was in prison ministry who said, it's the pedophiles, really, because nobody wants to deal with them. Nobody wants to touch them. That's just the most disgusting thing. But sin is a symptom, remember that, so that we can flow with the compassion of God, knowing that he's paid for all of it. It's just sin with a different face. It's just a different mask. And it may be more repulsive to us, but sin is that thing that separates us from a just and holy God. And I like justice. You know, I like when someone steals my stuff, as someone did a few years ago. We had a girl that we were helping probably for seven years as a single mom, paying her, getting her later, got her to start to clean my house every couple weeks. And after a period of time, I realized all of my jewelry from my grandmother, from um, um, from, you know, just all of these precious pieces of jewelry had been stolen by her. And I tried to look in pawn shops and, you know, the same kind of thing, look for, look for what had been stolen. And in that moment, I wanted justice. Lord, find my jewelry, and she needs to at least repent for this. She needs to at least pay for this. There needs to be something done about it. I called the police on that. Now, unfortunately, it was all so slow moving that it was long gone. And, um, you know, it was, a, it was a grief for me. And eventually, the Lord came to me one day and said, could I hold your jewelry for you? You know, that thing that you're looking for that you've lost, could I have? And I realized that what he was saying is, can I hold the justice of this so that I'm the one responsible for justice here? And I said, yes, Lord, you can. And it took the sting out of my heart. But, you know, when, when we find, do we really want the harvest? How many people actually want to see revival in the, in the nation of Great Britain? Do we really know what we're praying do we really know what that looks like? It doesn't mean we all walk in clean. The prodigal son came in smelling like pigs. We used to have pigs on our farm when I was a little girl. We had a separate porch if you went to feed the pigs because it smelled so bad, you had to take all of those overalls off in a separate porch. See, the, the revival that we're praying for, the harvest that we're praying in, we need to understand probably won't meet my expectations. But God is looking at their heart. He's looking for his lost kids. And so here he is with Philip saying, what are we going to do with this problem? We have thousands of people to feed. What is your suggestion? I just love Philip's response, at least for having a go. Philip replied in verse 7, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Thanks. Thanks, Philip, for that helpful tidbit. Great idea, not at all, right? But he was welcomed into being part of the solution, part of the brainstorming. What do we do about this, Lord? And see, this is a season where the Holy Spirit, yes, wants to fill us, yes, wants to love us, yes, wants to heal us, but it's also for the lost. Because I don't want Great Britain to miss the greatest harvest the world has ever seen. I want to be part of that. I have seen those nets, literally, and I know what's coming. 
And I have decided I want to be part of that solution. Lord, help my heart to believe that I've got some small part to play in it or maybe some significant part to play in it, but I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss all the fun, do you? I came back five years ago to our church who had expected a word from the Lord. I went to Toronto for the 20th anniversary. And um, I said, Lord, I would really like a word for our church. And uh, he gave me one. And so I stood before my church and said, would you like to know what I think the Lord's word is for us from here moving forward? And they said, yes. And I said, okay, here's the word. This is not a hospice. And if you're sitting in that chair waiting till you die or till Jesus comes back, my prayer is that you get really uncomfortable in that seat because I'm not building a hospice. I'm not building a place where we can just get comfortable and just wait out our days till the king of glory bursts through the clouds. That's not what it's about for me. I have dreams that he's planted in my heart. I even have things like what this woman was sharing with me about her, her babies being taken. Those, th that's birthing something on the inside of me to say, we have got to do something. We have got to do something with all the prophetic revelations we have. I love prophecy. Love prophecy. I love prophesying to Christians. But I can tell you that prophecy to Christians should not be um, directional necessarily. It should confirm what God is already saying to you. Because I have one teacher, the Bible says, who will lead me into all truth. Now that doesn't mean I don't attend trainings and I don't hear what other people have to say, but it needs to jive with the direction the Holy Spirit's already telling me. It's about developing my own relationship with him so that he can come along and say, what do you think about this? Got any ideas? He doesn't actually expect me to be a puppet. Yes, I want to serve him. Yes, I want to be obedient. But there's a time just like this. And some of you have already faced this, and some of you, it's about to. So consider this your warning bell. Thank you. This is your warning bell because the church is asleep. A lot of the church is asleep and thinking this is just comfortable. I'll just let the leaders do it. Well, unfortunately, that wasn't the agreement you signed. When you signed an agreement that said, Jesus, my life belongs to you. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. Guess what that means? He has plans. He might want to take you, I don't know, to go sing over the nations. You have a wonderful heart of worship, by the way, Caroline. It's Caroline, right? Yeah. Go for it. Big or small audiences. Let it rip, okay? He has plans because he has put in you and I this incorruptible seed. When you and I decided to be followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit came in and took up residence. And this is what God believes. That partnership can really accomplish some stuff. And we have all been given talents and giftings. Some one, some five, some ten. Depending on our abilities. He's a good and faithful giver, right? But we will give account of what we've done with the things God has asked us to do. Do we know that? It's not meant to be a heavy, but it is meant to be a bit of a wake up. If you're just thinking, yeah, well, the only thing required of me is just to say yes to Jesus and make him my... That's part of it. But the question remains then, why are you here? On the earth, I mean. Why are you still here if you're done already? Because if that was the only mission, mission accomplished. So why are we still here? Because there's still more to do that the Holy Spirit is breathing in Edu. And it requires a basis of unconditional love. If I get it, and if I get it all right, he loves me the same. 
Do you know, it was a wonderful revelation as a church leader to realize that my boss is the redeemer. So you know how when you work for another boss and you mess something up, you take it to your boss and say, I'm sorry, I've really messed this up. Can you fix it? Redeemer. I mean, I do have other leaders I could go to to help, but in terms of what we do, I'm the leader. And he can go and fix the things that, Lord, I'm sorry, messed this up, forgot this person, didn't, didn't handle this right, didn't do that right, made the wrong decision here. He's loving and kind and gracious like he was to that woman caught in the act of adultery. He just wants to bring us on board and partner with us and team with us. So obviously we read Philip's response it, before he even said it really. What, what good is that? Even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. So, oh, we have another, we have another viewpoint here. We have another opinion around the table. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. Uh-huh. I can't, like, yeah. Like, has this guy done the math? We're talking about 5,000 men. So for round numbers, I like to say 12,000. I'll tell you why in a second. And they're kind of looking at him like, seriously, dude, really? That's all you got? But he answers their comments, even if they didn't air them. Young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. What good is that? with this huge crowd. Takes it back, it's a stupid idea. So Jesus says, tell everyone to sit down. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered 5,000. Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God. Now can you imagine the disciples at this point thinking, I wonder what he's going to do. Like I read about manna falling from heaven. Maybe this is that. Maybe manna's about to fall from the sky and we're going to witness this. I mean, we've seen him turn water into wine. What's going to happen here? I don't think they had any clue. And if you look in one of the other Gospels, I think it's Luke that talks about this. It says specifically, Jesus handed it to them. So being, imagine being one of these disciples. So imagine it's you. Just kind of look at the person next to you and be like, huh, he might ask you to do something like this. See, because these were men who followed him and would be handed the baton that he had been carrying. But then, of course, they handed on uh, in effect to us today, right? So here they are, guys with no ideas or two guys with lame ideas. And in front of them is a thousand people, right? You've got a crowd of a thousand people all looking at you, all hungry, all here with the miracle worker. And you're on his team. By association, this is all going to be good. But they're looking at you. Jesus hands a sixth of a fish and to you. So come here for a second. Role play here. There's two fish, right? Probably little ones. It was just a little boy's lunch. And he hands you a sixth of a fish. This much fish. And you're looking at a thousand people. And you're like, what am I going to do with a sixth of a fish? Thanks, Ian. It's incredible, isn't it? See, the thing is, worker could do this without us, obviously. There's no miracle working power in my ability to multiply the fish. But the residency of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me produces something else. It produces an anointing on the strategies that God wants to release. That's what it does. Tell the person beside you, it's the anointing of the Holy Spirit on heaven's strategies through you and me. 
okay? So one little boy's lunch, which was one of the disciples' ideas, he'd scouted out to find there's one lunch. And you know what Jesus thinks about that? Yeah, that'll do. I mean, he could have picked up a stone, turned it into bread, couldn't he? He could have just called it down from the sky, but he wanted to work with what they had. And what they had was one little lunch. And it's really important for you and I not to just think of the grand and lofty strategies. But what do you have in your hand? What do you have? When we started our spirit cafes almost five years ago, there's now about 35 of them, and we get asked to start them all over the world in Kenya, Australia we'll probably go to this year, um, all, all over the world, Ukraine, um, Kazakhstan, which is completely Muslim. I don't know how that's going to go, but anyway... Um, when we started it, my father said, I'll give you 10,000 pounds to upgrade some of the equipment that you have in your bar area. So put in some sandwich machines, panini machines, whatever you want. I'll just give you some money to invest so that you can get this cafe going and you can begin to pray for people who come in and give them words or readings and pray for their sick bodies and all of that. And I said, okay, well, let me just go ask the Holy Spirit and I'll come back to you, Dad. And so I went and asked the Holy Spirit and he said, nope, do not take his money. I want you to use what you have. And it's a very important lesson that I have learned. I called my dad back and I said, Dad, I would love your money, but not for this. Um, I can't take it for this. The Holy Spirit has really clearly instructed me to use what we have. And what we had at the time were just air pots for coffee. We still have them, actually. Air pots for coffee, and we put out a plate of biscuits. So it was never about the food. Now, in hindsight, that's a wonderful thing because we're not dealing with um, hygiene issues, we're not dealing with rotas for staff, so we're not getting distracted with all of that so that we can sort of trick people into the door and then give them some spiritual food. We actually put a sign out front that says free spiritual readings and we watch them walk in the door and we watch them meet Jesus and it's profound and I know that probably that terminology probably offends some of you. I guarantee they are meeting Jesus and they get the full-on gospel. But it's language that they understand. If you want to go fishing for trout, use the right bait. If you want to go fishing for salmon, you can't use trout bait. You have to use salmon bait. Okay? So if we put out a sign that said free prophecy, who would that attract? Christians. Well, I don't need them. That's not who I'm looking for. I'm looking for the lost the Lord is looking for the lost through. Well, there's no disrespect meant in it. It's just relevant. And so here are these disciples. Somebody give me the thing. I got to wrap this up. Um, here the disciples are standing in front of their thousand. And they, they gave them all food. Jesus blessed it. And they distributed it. And they're part of the miracle. Jesus planned it that way. He could have done it without involving them. He could have done it by giving them all food himself. He didn't. He included them, just like he's including you and me. Let me just quickly finish this up. So, um, Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. Pretty amazing, huh? After ever to do something unusual. I think this is unusual. It made me say, why, why, why is that important? Why would you want that? Gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. And I asked the Holy Spirit, what is that about? And this is what I think he said. There was an anointing that still had value. See, the anointing is not something, but it is on something that God has breathed on. And we need to, and he asked them to gather up all the baskets they had more than they even started with, of course. 
because there was an anointing on it. And what I would like to leave you with tonight is just this thought, skin, um, that if the Holy Spirit wants to use me, number two, will you anoint me so that it makes a difference? So that it's not just good works. Good works are great. But when there's an anointing on it, when there's a punch on it, I'm telling you, it's awesome. One of our five treatments that we offer in these spirit cafes we do is called physical healing. It's not called healing prayer. It's called physical healing. 60% of everyone who comes in for that treatment over the last five years and over all of our spirit cafes, 60% of them are healed. That's a staggering percentage if you've ever done healing meetings. At least it was for me. I've paid thousands to hire halls and do healing meetings. And on reflection, I think it's because it's a sign for unbelievers. Now, guess what happens in your team when they're part of those two or three people asking Jesus to, to heal this? And they don't say, please, God, heal this. They might remind them of what the Lord's Prayer says. As it is in heaven, let it be so here. And there's no pain in heaven. So we're just going to tell that pain to go in Jesus' name. And they'll pray something like that. Okay, now test it. It's all gone. We had a guy come back to our church. This might be a year ago now. On a Sunday morning, we do a testimony time. And I said, does anybody have a testimony? This guy raises his hand. Now, I had seen him the week before actually run out of the door from our spirit cafe, which rarely happens. So I didn't really know what had happened. Anyway, he comes up and he says, you know, I'm, I'm on my journey in terms of finding out who the Lord is and really knowing whether Jesus is real or not. But I wanted to come back and say thank you because my neck is completely healed. Now, when's the last time in your church you ever had someone who you've never met, who was just off the street, who wasn't even a Christian yet, who testified that God healed them last week? And it was just through the people on our team. And what had happened, they wanted to lead this guy in some sort of a prayer, and he said, I'm still searching and our team said, that's okay, we'll just heal your neck. They didn't even say terminology like, we'll pray for your neck. Now, I'm not um, splitting hairs about that. My point is, there is a confidence that rises in us as Christians when people really get healed. And part of the problem has been, we have adopted a thinking, I'm going to practice in here where it's safe, and when I get good at it, I'll take it to the lost. I'll take it to the streets. I'll take it to my coworkers. I'll take it to my neighbors. The problem is it doesn't work the same because it's always meant to be a sign for unbelievers. And we have to walk on water a little bit in order to watch that kind of thing happen. So let me wrap this up by saying, um, remember Moses came down from the mountain and when he had been with God, his face shone. The people noted it. There was a residue. There was something left over on him. It was the anointing of God that was still on him and visible. That's what you and I are called into. We're not called into just getting by. We're not called into boring Christianity. We're not called into, I don't know, no fun, no fire. We're not called into that. We're actually called to partner with him to meet these huge needs in our communities. Remember Peter in the New Testament? There were so many getting meeting Jesus, getting saved, that they would bring the sick to the street and lie them on the footpaths in the sidewalks so that when Peter's shadow went past them, they would be healed. See, we are in the dispensation of doing more than even that. And yet most of us haven't really experienced it. And I think, I think it's time. Anybody agree with me? Anybody a little bit stirred saying, well, I want in on that. I don't want to, I don't want to miss it. Okay, let's all stand for a second.
We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. And then I think we're going to pass out some, some papers. Because what we're going to do is ask the Holy Spirit to put on us or, or remind us or stir up again something in us that he and me are meant to do together. There is something that God has put in you and on you to affect your community, your family, the city, the nation, whatever it is. Maybe it's another nation. But something that he's put in you and on you that he would like you to be a problem solver for. Now, I think that sounds reasonable. Because I've been on Team Jesus for 53 years. And I think that's kind of fair. If I had someone on my team for a long period of time, I'd expect them to kind of... um, I don't know, contribute, wouldn't you? I wouldn't expect them to just sit there and have me spoon feed them every week and say they're there. I would expect them after a period of time, after learning of my goodness and learning of my love for them, that they would have some ideas they would bring to the table, just like Jesus did with Philip. What is your idea? Knowing already what he would do, he wanted to contribute and and elicit, pull out of Philip and Andrew some ideas. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do tonight. So if you're game, raise your hand for a sec. All right. Let's pray this prayer together. Holy Spirit, I can't really do anything significant without you. But here's the truth. I am not without you. You live on the inside of me. And I want inspiration. I want the spirit to be moving in me and through me. To effectively strategize for the needs around me. I need to be empowered from on high. Not just good ideas, but anointed God ideas. So Holy Spirit, here I am. And I just encourage you, if you're serious, do something. Stand in the aisle, raise your hands bow to your knees, do something that says, Lord, I'm serious about this. Just do something that says, heaven, I want you to see me. I I want you to see that it's not okay for me just to let somebody else and everybody else do it. It's not okay anymore. There are needs in my family that I might be the only one that can meet. There are needs in my community. There are moms that I see every day at school. There are increases in mental health. There are increases in cancer. Babies are dying. All kinds of tragedies are happening. And he's asking if we are willing to partner with him. And I'm asking some of you tonight to respond to that right where you are and do something that is slightly outside your comfort zone. Move to an aisle, bow your knees, come to the front. Something that says, Lord, I'm serious. I have got to make a difference with you. I will shed off my shame and I will shed off my fear. And if you will stand with me, then I will do the risky things that you asked me to do. When I came to England, I had this one prayer. As long as you never let go of my hand, I'll do anything you ask me to do. But if you ever let go of my hand, I'm done. And he has never, ever let go of my hand. And I've had my share of stuff to go through just like you. If I had known all the cost, might not have come. But I came for revival for this nation. This nation is a blessed nation 
where revivals all over the world have been birthed here. God remembers those things. But he is not content for us to watch the plight of those around us and say it doesn't really matter. There may very well be more gifted people on either side of you, but he's asking you. Don't let it be our prayer that we say, Lord, here I am, send them. Holy Spirit, I ask you right now, would you breathe on every heart in the room? That there would be a heart transformation on every heart in the room that says, not what I want, but what you want. And if you're brave, some of you need to ask God for his heart. But it means he'll give it. So I'm just going to lead whoever wants to pray that. Father, here I am. And I just admit I don't really have a heart for the things that I should have. But I give you permission tonight to do a heart transplant in my life. Wow. And I step out of my fear box. Wow. And out of my pick someone else box. And out of my shy box. And out of my shame box. And I just encourage you, just look up into heaven for a second and say something like this. Father, if you can use me, here I am. It's not much. It's just a tiny little lunch to feed thousands of people to meet needs that seem so great, that what will my little impact have? But Father, I decided a long time ago, I am all in. I am all in. I will do anything you ask me to do. I made you Lord and Savior. You get to, you get to tell me what to do. And my role is to say, yes, Lord. I believe, help me with my unbelief. So Holy Spirit, I ask, just as we're drawing to a close here tonight, that you sovereignly would anoint these people. Can I just ask the, the team here to just go around and just lay hands on every person who's standing or kneeling or standing in the aisle? Just, just I don't know, lift your hand if you would just kind of like an anointing for this. Maybe if you just, um, some of you stand in the aisle or some of you up front, we're going to get to passing these little white things around, but I just feel like the Holy Spirit really just wants to anoint them. So we'll share this with the team. Is this okay? So Father, thank you for what you're doing all over the earth, but thank you that that does not exclude me. And so I give you, wow, my life. I ask for impact. I ask for strategies. I ask for resurrection life. Wow. I ask for the evangelists to wake up. I ask for urgency, not man's urgency, but the father's urgency. It matters to him when one is lost. When one soul meets Jesus, there's a huge party. Matters to him. These are his kids. Father, you have to do this in us. Holy Spirit, you have to anoint us. This is not just meant to be inspiring, except inspiring in the true sense of the word. Inspiration. The spirit coming in. Yes, you can. Her name is Addie. 
Please pray for Addie, precious little girl. We need a breakthrough there. So just start praying for her. That'd be awesome. Father, in Jesus' name, I just give away what you have freely given me, an anointing to partner with heaven, an anointing to partner with the strategies of God and to say yes, to say yes to what he might ask me. It might not be much, but it's enough. In Jesus' name, let your fire come, Lord. Wow, increase, Holy Spirit. Increase, Holy Spirit. Increase. If there's no one standing behind you and you're not standing at a chair and you kind of feel a little bit wobbly, then maybe just, just drop down to your knees for a second. Let the Spirit of God settle because it's the anointing on that bread and fish that made the difference. It's not just the bread and fish. It's not just the ideas. It's the anointing on them. Holy Spirit, we are so dependent on you. And some of you have just done some great things in God through the years. And he's so pleased with that. That's just built some muscles for what's coming next. But Father, we must do something about the state of our nation. Wow, we must do something about the lost. We must do something. I can no longer. Sometimes I can't, I can't even call myself a Christian if I do nothing. Lord, may, the, may your love increase on the inside of us to such an extent that I cannot help but talk about the goodness of Jesus. I can't help it. It's second nature. More Holy Spirit. More Holy Spirit. More Holy Spirit. Light a fire that can never go out. Not just so that I feel better, but so that the kingdom of darkness is ravaged. Whoa, go take back some of those relatives that are not walking with God. Go and take back some of the family members or loved ones that we have near us who have life-threatening diseases. This is not God's will. Do you know Jesus healed everyone who came to him? There isn't one example in all of scripture where he said, you know what? This is not the Father's will to heal you, not one. And he never said later. He always said now. He always healed them now. Healing is for now. Healing is meant, just hold up your hands for a second and realize that as Christians, as followers of Jesus, healing is meant to flow from my hands to those who need it. Not because I've got something great, but because I have someone great who lives on the inside. I'm aware I don't have any power, but I'm aware that he lives on the inside. Holy Spirit, tonight... May this be a history-making night for many in this room where they decide sort of once and for all, I'm going to partner with heaven. And I'm going to sit around that board table, Jesus with you, and I'm going to be aware of some of the things that are unjust and not right around me. And I'm going to say, okay, here's an idea. What do you think, Lord? Give me your ideas, Holy Spirit. Breathe your life, breathe your anointing on these ideas. I decide to be part of the Jesus team tonight. I decide to engage. I decide to sit around that boardroom table and get involved because it matters that there's lost people around us who don't know Jesus. And if they died tonight, they will spend an eternity 
absent from the love of God, in a dark and fiery place with eternal agony. There is a real hell. It was never meant for humans. But if we don't tell them, who will? Our schools don't tell them anymore. Even some of our churches don't preach the gospel anymore. And so the Holy Spirit himself is hoping that you and I will step up and say, I'm going to be part of the solution. So I just want to pass out these little white papers. What I'd like you to do is maybe take it home and ask the Holy Spirit at some point this week. Can you promise me this? You'll just take a couple of minutes, maybe in the bathroom. That's a good place. Go in the bathroom. Nobody will bug you there. Lock the door for a minute or two. Say, Holy Spirit, I want you to give me one thing that you would like me to be involved in that affects injustice, suffering, um, lack of something around me and begin to give me some strategies around that and begin to pray over your little dove and say, I've got to have some strategies for heaven for this. I, I've got to know what he's saying. And, and then watch for the anointing on the leftovers, will you? Will you watch for just the extra? See, he just wants to take what we've got in our hands. He wants to take our small little offering and say, that's enough. That's all I need but I do need something from you. I need something from you. Um, there's a little bookmark back there which fits in quite well with what we've been talking about tonight. Um, just one more thing. Uh, can we all just close our eyes just for 30 seconds? I want to ask this question. We've been talking a lot about Jesus tonight and how wonderful he is. But I don't like to do any public meetings without asking this question, so nobody looking around. I want to ask this question. Is there anyone in the room who has never had the opportunity to make Jesus the savior of their life, to, to be able to say, I'm sorry for my mistakes? Would you pay for me what I can't pay? Would you make right what I can't make right? I know that you died for me. I know that you rose again for me so that I could step into freedom. Is there anyone in the room who's never been given that opportunity who would like to today? Okay, well, let's just all stand then and we'll finish on this prayer. Or do you, you have some stuff to do? Okay. Well, continue to let the Holy Spirit do whatever he's doing in your life right now. Thank you, Laurie. Wow. Uh, Yes, well, thank you. A lot to think about, a lot of inspiration, a lot of challenge. And uh, we're going to uh, end on a note with a hymn that I think most of us will know. It's Crown Him with Many Crowns. And all that Jesus wants us to be, uh, women of God, it's all because he is the King of Kings. And so we worship him afresh as we go out into the night. So Caroline. <laughs> 